Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically we're just regular dudes drinking irregular beer and talking about Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, uh, magic. <laughs> it's too hard to keep track of these days. Yeah. You know? uh, talking about Magic the Gathering Arena. Yes, and this week we are going to be diving into some draft. Uh, we talked a bit about Limited last week, but we really want to get into it this week. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right. I have a beer that is called Scenic Root. Mm -hmm. Scenic spelled S-E-A-N-I-C, so I guess it's supposed to be by the sea. Uh, It's from Muskoka Brewing. It's a tropical IPA, 6%. And Muskoka is just a pretty good brewery. They kind of introduced me to craft beer around here. And so when they have new stuff, this is kind of their small batch collection. I always like to try it out. Nice. What have you got? I am uh, drinking, this is uh, a Radical Goza from Henderson Brewing Company. It's their Salted Lime Goza. Uh, It's 4.4%. And the reason I picked it up is because it has a picture of these two little wizards. Actually, no, the more I look at them, they look like children. They're like little child wizards. uh, And they have this big bowl and there's a dragon in this kind of pink uh, liquid under or it the bowl is over like this blue flaming fire so i guess they're making some sort of dragon soup or something i'm not quite sure but sort of uh, potion. yeah okay that makes more sense yeah they're boys it's a, it's a potion it's not a soup <laughs> just <laughs> drinking soup <laughs> i mean what is a potion if not wizard soup <laughs> wizard soup yeah I <laughs> oh gosh anyway magic news Wow, we had a, uh, a ban this last week. <laughs> yeah, totally out of left field here. <laughs> I know that Wizards like to, they, Wizards loves to ban cards right after we uh, record an episode, but don't put it out. That's right. So yeah. uh, they wanted to keep up with that. So uh, the Book of Exalted Deeds is banned. So, so they rolled a d20, and this is the card that they got banned, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. The Book of Exalted Deeds is banned in standard 2022Q. Not to be confused with regular current standard. It is not banned in regular current standard it's it is, okay there <laughs> it is only banned in the best of one 2022 cues and, and when rotation happens it will not be banned either correct it's only banned for these like you know preview into rotation standard that they're offering on it's, magic arena it's so weird it's <laughs> it's so um um did we talk about this jeff do you want to explain what that card does uh, okay, so it does a few things, but the main thing it does is it puts a token on an angel you control, that and it turns it into Platinum Angel, where it says you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. And the combo, quote-unquote, is to animate Faceless Haven, which, because it's changeling, it is technically an angel because it's all creature types. And then you put this token on your Faceless Haven, and because there are so few ways to interact with lands in the format, again, and it's best of one, so you're not going to play main deck crappy land destruction, you know, in your best of one. Exactly. Deck. Uh, it basically means you just can't win the game once your opponent has done this. Uh, but this this card did not need to be banned. I mean, it's no. just like a janky <laughs> combo that I ran into occasionally. I usually beat the crap out of the deck because it was playing so many bad cards, and. Uh, I never got locked out of a game this way, but like, they're saying, oh, it just, it just slows the game down, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, no. If they did this, I would just concede. 
Yeah, like, they, they got the lock. <laughs> I don't and they have won. to keep playing. <laughs> it's also not a really fast lock because the book calls costs three white pips by itself, and then to activate the book, it costs three, and you also have to activate the haven as well. So it's kind yeah, of so expensive. It yeah, it's it's yeah. like expensive enough, and you see it coming. So and if you hold up removal, you can kill the faceless haven in response. Yeah, and they're cooked. So. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't seem <laughs> that great. This is why I'm pretty sure they rolled a d20. They're like, we just have to screw the arena regulars by announcing <laughs> something the day their episode comes out that they're just gonna. They're, they will have just talked about it, so they'll look like fools. Exactly. So we just had to bring that up. You you might have heard the news because it's been going on for uh, a while. But um, some other news, actually, the arena open. Uh, we have the dates for that now. So it's July 31st uh, to August 1st. So I guess those two days that weekend. And the format okay. is standard, just current 2022? standard. 2022? Nope, nope. Oh, no, really? Just uh, current standard. I didn't know people still played that. Yeah, they don't. No one does. <laughs> so that'll Just be... the people practicing for the gauntlets play that. <laughs> exactly. They got to get ready for the dead format tournament that's coming up. Um, yeah. So uh, not as excited for this Arena Open. The other ones have been uh, much more exciting. The limited format uh, sealed was yeah. awesome. And this is like... Uh, I, uh, and it's just like, uh, the, out of the past three limited formats, this is the one I'm enjoying the most. And that's when they're like, nah, we'll, we'll, we won't do limited <laughs> again. Nobody liked that. <laughs> yeah, so that's a bit of a bummer. But um, I, you know, I'm fine with them shaking up the format for the Opens. That's, that's fine. It's just so hard just... You know, it, they how are they supposed to know everyone's going to love 2022 so much? But standard just feels like the worst choice. You could do historic, you could do standard 2022, or you could do D and D draft. And I think if those you, would all be accepted by the people that like them. And do you think they would do just historic just because they would want the most new people to do it, right? And so that's why sealed works so well because it's like, hey, you don't even have to know much; you could just play. Yeah, that's fair. Well, anyway, um, I don't exactly know why. We'll we'll see how they continue in the future, but I I hope they continue to go back to sealed slash uh, make it so that we can draft. Um, yeah, that's what I would like. Now that there's finally a format that's not just multicolor soup. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a a limited don't format. Play that. Exactly. <laughs> um, also, this week on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people were talking about the paper pre-release uh, happened this last weekend. Uh, for us, it feels a little bit old. It's like, oh, yeah, we've been playing with these cards for a whole week. I don't know why everyone's like that yeah. excited. What do you mean the set's coming out? It already, I've already been, been I drafted so much. I almost have all the commons and uncommons already. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, there was one tweet that I really liked that was a great tip for playing with new cards. And it basically said, you should read all of your cards at sorcery speed, not instant speed. And I just was like, yeah, that's nice. awesome. I love it. I won't do that, but I love it. I will forget every <laughs> single time, but that I'm is still something. still going to blitz through and assume I understand how the card works. <laughs> <laughs> just cast it. And just get screwed every time. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, just a reminder for all of you who are playing with new cards, just slow down a little bit, maybe. Maybe that card doesn't do everything that you thought it did. Or it does more. Just remember GP Toronto, where the cards were all really new, and I just had the win on the table, but... I decided to attack before activating that land that sacks a desert to give your team plus one, plus one. And I'm like, okay, attack, activate this, you're dead. And then he's like, well, actually, you can only activate that as a sorcery. I was like, oh, so I lose. How cool. I see. <laughs> Good thing I read that card. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard because that's at the very bottom of that card. 
And no one even I know. all the way to the bottom. And it's like, I think three of the five lands were activated as a sorcery, and the other two were not. So it's just like, I, the other ones did, that I had seen didn't work that way, so I just assumed none of them worked that way. Yeah, exactly. Lost a match where my opponent was dead on board because of it, so that was cool. That's the worst. <laughs> and it was like a kill that I saw. It's not that I just missed that I can pump my team. I just did it at the wrong time. You just time. did it wrong. Uh, yeah. That's fine. I've been doing a lot of that in uh, <laughs> yeah. these drafts. Um, anyway, let's get into it. Drafting. Occupational hazard. Yeah, exactly. Uh Drafting Forgotten Realms. Oof. All right. So it's been it's been over it's been two weeks now, basically. Mm-hmm. Check in time. How do, how do you feel about the format now? Much better than last week. Yeah. Yeah. So, I decided to kind of reevaluate some of the ways I was looking at the format, some of the thoughts I had about it based on our talk last week, um, and I've just I've been winning a lot more, so that's good. Nice. Um, I feel yeah. like I've done a similar thing, except for. Uh, I wanted to see if I could draft the other decks that you were drafting and win with them, and then I I, uh, I couldn't. And I, I, see, I swear not I, so easy <laughs> to play the garbage I was drafting and get wins. Yeah, and then I went back uh, to what I was doing before. So, um, yeah. but it's been great. Yeah. So basically, what what kind of is that your uh, your what's your epiphany from from this whole experience so far? Yeah, so I was talking a little bit about last week about how bad it was going, and I was thinking about it, and I think that's the worst start to a new draft format I've ever had, was this one. I mean, you, At least you on did, Arena, you did where say I'm, like, that tracking you, it. Yeah, you had, like, a, a six-win run, though, at one... Like, I would count that as... That was... My first one was five wins, and I had another six-win, but I had, like, a triple... I oh three three times in a row and i've never done that before so that was that was a unique experience i have definitely done that before so that (laughs) (laughs) uh because usually i do pretty well at the start of a format and then as all the information gets out and people are looking up the streams and stuff and i'm not doing that other people get better and i get i stay the same and then (laughs) my win rate goes down a bit yeah is usually how these things go um, but this one, I started out so low that I was like, uh-oh, like, if, if this is my starting win rate, and I'm just gonna, it's all gonna be downhill from here, like, maybe this is not my format. But the big change I made was basically, I was talking to you last week, and you were saying that you had some success, success uh, attacking, mm-hmm. you know, with the red-white equipment deck and stuff. So I just started to try to draft some more aggressive decks, and I just started winning a lot more, um, because I think you can, can you can like trick yourself into thinking the format's not that fast because there are a lot of dirtly cards and boards do get locked up. But actually the format is, is quite fast, I think. You just have to be ready for it. So like you can dirtle, but I think you don't want to. I think you want to be the aggressor. Gotcha. I mean, that's probably why I was doing all right. I don't think I was doing well, but mm-hmm. the first thing I always want to do is start attacking, so... Yeah, that, that works out. Um, last week we had talked about a, a few different archetypes that uh, were in uh, in the draft format, but um, I just wanted to highlight some of them a l- quickly. It's just so we remember because it's always like I remember the ones I like a lot, and then there's always the ones that I've never really played or seen really totally at all and been like, <laughs> what? And I think the first one well, that, that I... That's a thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. see a lot is actually uh, white-blue decks. I I haven't really seen that many white-blue decks at all, actually. Yeah, so ostensibly the white-blue deck is supposed to be like a dungeon control deck. So the the hint that you get for this is like your common dungeon cards 
because white is all about dungeons pretty much yeah for half its commons and then the blue cards that venture into the dungeon at common are bar the gate which is a countering a creature spell venture into the dungeon and then you get like the two five that when it deals damage it ventures those are your only ones so it's kind of telling you hey if you want to be the blue dungeon deck you're defensive because you're countering spells and playing two fives yeah and so this is, yeah, some sort of, like, venture into the dungeon control deck. I think you don't see it a lot because, like I was saying, those are pretty bad cards. And so the good venture things in blue are at uncommon, like Displacer Beast and uh, Fly and stuff like that. Yeah. And so this, you need those uncommons to want to play this deck. Uh, even then, I, I've never really seen a, a version that, that wowed me. Yeah. The, the only time... I didn't really see... Uh... It was 100% not a white-blue deck, and it was just this Esper dungeon-crawling thing uh, mm -hmm. that had, like, Hama Pashar, the uncommon legendary, that whenever you uh, go into, like, a dungeon room, it triggers a d an additional time. And they also had mm -hmm. a bunch of the uh, white-black uncommon as well, which is very good. The Barrowin uh, of Clan Under, the guy who, like, just right. pulls, pulls people back from the, the graveyard constantly. So that ended up being really good and very synergistic, but it was because they were using all of the dungeon things in between and making like this three-color totally, deck. Yeah. Of course, it really helps that, you know, the first three lands they played were just straight Esper, so that's nice. Classic. Classic. Yeah. My opponent can do that. <laughs> I can never do that. Um, yeah. But Off their, like, 665 mana base. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> um, I always like to give them a nice, and I, I hope that it doesn't come across like I'm being like, oh, nice, great job, you got nice. full. I'm like, yeah. no, that is pretty sick. Like, good job. Yeah, like, that's awesome when that, that happens. That's a good opening hand then. Great. Um, but, yeah, so I, I just haven't I just haven't seen it very much. I'm assuming that it just isn't awesome. I don't know. I think it's just tough for it to come together because it relies on, on the uncommons. Yeah. And so even when I, when I have seen it, it's often just like blue-white flyers, kind of, because mm -hmm. there are a lot of creatures with flying. And that, that's always been a fine deck, but um, you know, it's not really playing into the theme that was yeah. designed. I did have a pretty decent, I mean decent, I went like four, five wins, I think, so it's pretty good. Um, blue-white deck, and I just noticed that I had a ton of ETB abilities. So I had the, you know... The 2-5 two, the two flyer that bounces something when it enters mm -hmm. the battlefield. I had the Displacer Beast as well as the, the white version that ventures into the dungeon when the ETBs mm -hmm. had a white dragon to tap something down and all that. Priest of Ancient Lore draws a card and gains life. I just noticed I had a ton of ETBs and I happened to open Teleportation Circle. <laughs> oh, of course. Which is <laughs> on your end step, you exile something and bring it back. So I was like, well, if there's ever going to be a deck that Teleportation Circle is good in, it's this one. And I did some wonky... And I, I've had the 3-2 that goes to fetch an enchantment, so I would always go get it. Oh, and then that's cool. I had some, like, wonky stuff going on. Like, I won some games I should not have won by just bouncing my 2-5 flyer every turn and, and returning whatever creature they play to their owner's hand every single turn. <laughs> Interesting. I never thought about being able to go fetch uh, Teleportation Circle with that card. Because... I always think of it as, oh, go get your, like, um, your Charmed Sleep and your, uh, your yeah, like, enchantment yeah. removal. Um, but not like that. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's a good idea. It was fun. And uh, it did reasonably well, like I say. I think I did get a bit lucky because I, I still don't think it was the strongest deck ever, but it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Well, cool. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see more into that. But um, initial reaction is it, uh, it seems to be like fairly open. There's a lot of cards that aren't uh, being picked from it. Um, but the white and black dungeon speed run deck, uh, that's basically uh, white black wants you to, to finish a dungeon as quickly as possible. And then all your cards get better because of it. Uh-huh. And um, that one has been scarier to me because usually it's already beating you down and then everything just I don't know gets superpowers when once you uh once you get there totally yeah like the two three b gets double strike and stuff yeah yeah uh, there's also the removal spell that gets turbocharged two and a black for the uh, enchantment yeah precipitous drop mm-hmm. so uh those kinds of things it it has been uh has been pretty interesting to me to see like how fast those things go and uh even that like i was saying the uncommon the legendary he's just beaten me enough times for me to be afraid of of seeing any of those dungeon crawling cards at the beginning of the game yeah <laughs> and I'm totally like, i'm gonna deal with this guy and then he's just gonna bring back every other card that has died in the game so far yeah super annoying yeah um yeah i've seen this deck's been pretty good too i think it's it's i kind of see it as kind of mid-pack i guess mm-hmm if they get going, then you, you can fall behind so easily because all of their cards are just better than yours now because they've completed the dungeon. But they still do have to complete the dungeon, so you do have kind of some kind of setup time. That's true. Um, as long as you're prepared for their early game aggression because what you don't want to do against this deck is like fall a bit behind and then they complete their dungeon and then exactly. now all their cards are good. Yeah. Um, it's also good to know I was playing against... Um, someone who had a really great number of these uh, these cards and their game plan going in was, hey, I'm going to complete a dungeon as fast as possible, so I'm going to complete the, the Tomb of Annihilation. And uh-huh. boy, did they just not get the hint for three turns being like, you are not the aggressor in this and you should yeah. have realized that earlier and not gone into that dungeon because they're like stripping their hand. They're, they're, they're missing land drops and blowing up their lands just to complete a dungeon. I'm like... Dude, you're dead already. <laughs> yeah, I like your enthusiasm about this dungeon. But. Yeah, but, you know, you completing this dungeon is not going to win you the game. Uh, yeah. So so it is great to complete dungeons quickly, but hey, you know, it, it can be any one of them. Just because the, temp, the Tomb of Annihilation is the fastest one to go through, you know, might not... It really... <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I think your default should be the Lost Mines almost always. Yeah. Because it's short enough that you can realistically complete it it gets you enough value but and it also doesn't commit to you being the aggressor like the like mm. the um whichever one you were just talking about the tomb the of annihilation yeah tomb of annihilation yeah i almost never go into that one unless my opponents have one yeah that that's the that's <laughs> the main reason why you'd want to do it um and if they're or if they're like low on cards i'll do that one just to uh to force them to discard some stuff or you know yeah get them closer to dead but um, also another deck that I've tried multiple times is like the blue black. It's like a saboteur kind of uh, tempo deck, where all your a lot of your creatures care about like hitting your opponent, and so the the mm-hmm. uncommon can make your creatures unblockable. There's several different blue spells that also make your creatures unblockable for the turn, um, mm-hmm. and there's some really good payoffs. Like there's the the one three that you get the treasure token from. Uh, yep. The three two that lets you draw a card, mm-hmm. and some of those are just even like even the like crappy two five that ventures when it hits, or mm-hmm. or there's the 
the two drop on common that gets a plus one plus one counter when it deals combat damage. Yeah, exactly. That one's player. great because um, that one can uh, it gets a plus one plus one counter, but you can also pay a three and a blue to give it uh, make it unblockable for the turn. That's guild. Yeah, exactly. Guild thief. So it's that card's a little self-contained there. Yeah, that's great. Um, and which is funny enough that like the card fly you were talking about earlier that um, it gives a creature flying and then whenever they deal damage you get to venture. It feels more mm-hmm. like it fits in this deck than it does in the dungeon decks almost. Like it, it's yeah, the only thing is like I guess the venture. Oh yeah, I guess because you have so many creatures that want to just hit anyways. That uh, yeah, it seems like it's already your plan. Um, and in some yeah. of the other decks, like the white blue one, a lot of creatures have flying, which is awesome. And this is just, you know, it's great to hit your opponent and, you know, you get to venture. But I have found that I've really enjoyed it in this deck because, like, you already get all these sweet bonuses. And then, you know, when you venture in the dungeon, you're like, oh, it's just extra, you know. Yeah, I've never actually drafted this. I always kind of want to, and I see the the uncommon for it all the time, and it just never works out. Like, I take that guy trying to trying to end up in the blue-black saboteur deck because I think it looks cool, and then just, you know, I see a dragon's fire or something. I'm like, fine, I'll go red again. I'm so surprised that you you keep talking about dragon's fire as if they're everywhere, and I feel like I never see they them. They are. Are you not getting them No, everywhere? I feel like I never <laughs> see them. Maybe yeah. I've been able to draft, like, two I like really I don't see oh, no. them ever. I get, I had like th- three or four in one draft. That's so gross. Man, I yeah. wish I was <laughs> I wish I was drafting <laughs> at your tables. Yeah, but I think one key card that a lot of people might overlook for this archetype, but it's actually just, you know, been really good against me so often is um the uh rogues tools. Is that thieves tools? So it's like one in a black ETB create a treasure token. Equipped two, equipped creature can't be blocked as long as its power is three or less. And you just put this on like your three two that draws a card or your one three that makes treasure or anything like that. And it just, I feel like it pays for itself so fast. I'm often panicking and trying to race somebody who's drawing two cards a turn and stuff like that. And uh, even if I kill their creature, this thieves tool just creates another problem for me down the road. So yeah. I think this card is kind of an innocuous looking common, but. Uh, it's. I think it's actually just really good, especially in this deck. And it's also super easy to pick up. Like this card goes around for a while. Like you can get this super yeah. late because people. It's like just... dragon fire. You know, you just pick it up like eight's next pick. <laughs> shut, <laughs> shut up! I don't get to pick that card. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've just been um, that that one. I have played with it quite a bit, and I do think that people should be like valuing it a bit more, especially with the equip cost two is really nice because a lot of the other good ones in white are three which is just enough to make it annoying. Yeah, and it gives you the treasure, so it's like, it almost costs one. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And the other good equipment is the Reaper's Talisman in Uncommon, which I think it's just an awesome card, but it's really annoying in this deck because you just have so many, like your 1-3 that is hard to block now has Death Touch and Drains for two, and if they block it, they're going to die, but if they don't block it, you make a treasure token, like, uh, yeah, I think this is just a, one of the better uncommons in the set, actually. I think it's one of the best cards in the set. It, yeah. Like, it doesn't help you uh, when you're behind. I mean, it does kind of, because it lets you drain for two and hold most of your team back. That's true. I guess, yeah, you could you can attack with uh, one creature. But, um, if, like, I've won games where I just keep equipping goblin tokens with this in, in red-black and just drain them for two and leave my whole team back to block. And it's... It's actually kind of hard to beat that. Yeah, that's true. And, the, and they, like, take three if they don't want to just, like, 
you know, trade a... Which they don't. Yeah. You know, they don't want to trade a real creature for, for a, a goblin token. token. That, that's true. I, that I'm assuming, I, in my, what I was thinking is that you play this on fa- a fairly empty board because you're like very behind and you top deck it and you're like, oh, this is not the card. Oh, I wanted. yeah. That, that it's not what you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, all, all equipment kind of has that problem of like, if there's no creatures, it's not good. You, well, Goblin Morningstar is the one where Except you're like, that maybe. One. Except that Although, one. Uh, <laughs> that's still not really great when you're behind, though. <laughs> yeah. But it's better than nothing. That's true. Uh, but going from uh, Goblin Morningstar, we were talking about the aggro equipment deck, the, the white-red one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you, you've been having some success with this. Yes. Yeah, this one is exactly... You do what it tells you to do. You draft cheap creatures, any cheap creatures. You want them all. Uh, Any white or red one drops or two drops. The worst one, I think, is the goblin with haste, the one one. Mm -hmm. But basically all of the other ones you're happy with. And then you're looking for the cheap equipment. So you'll you'll take a plus two mace. That's okay. Um, Actually, I've been really liking the boots of speed because it's just like... Plus one, plus O, and haste is just a lot of damage in this mm-hmm. deck. I really like uh, Delver's Torch, actually. Um, I don't oh, know yeah. if people love this, but just getting a dungeon trigger on attacks can sometimes change up what is going to happen with that attack. Sometimes it like makes it so the, the creature, uh, you shrink a creature, or if you're far enough into a dungeon, or a couple different things. And also it just makes it inevitable that you're going to finish a dungeon. Um, even if yeah. you're not in that deck, some of your other cards just like turn on. You can get to two, the two three that cares about, you know, completing dungeons. You're like sick. <laughs> like I'm not even trying to do that, but this torch is helping me al- along the way. Definitely, I don't mind it, but I've been preferring just having a plus two mace because it's the same like cost it's, and equip cost. Yeah, and it gives you plus one an extra plus one plus one. I found to be in general a little better in this particular deck than venturing. I usually but I'll, I'll just play do, this card if I don't find any other. I usually equipment. just do both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one I was thinking of was the dueling thing, dueling rapier, rapier, which is okay as well, but it's not necessarily what you're looking for. Yeah, it's just so cheap. So if you're playing this deck, do you think you have to have the uh, the uncommon Bru- Brunar? Brunard. No, but that card is, I think, like, of all the gold uncommons that go in their deck, that one is the best one in this deck. It's bonkers. It is just so much value. It's so much damage and so much mana that it generates. Yeah. So and it's already a 5-3 for 4. Yeah. So it's the 2 white-red for the 5-3 uh, dwarf warrior, and each creature you control that's equipped gets plus 2 plus 0, and then you can equip things for 0, the first equip yeah. of your turn, which means that, that like... Is. That, uh, that, like, Great Axe becomes actually, like, playable. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, sick, yeah, I could play this Great Axe because it does, I don't have to pay for the equip cost. It's just one. Oh, yeah, I lost A creature this. gets plus four plus zero. And you're like, no, it's plus six plus zero. <laughs> it's so, yeah, exactly. It's, it's crazy. so good. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, the creatures you're looking for are the cheap creatures, like I said. I mean, you want the Ranger's Hawk, I think, because he, he holds equipment so well. Mm-hmm. Um, Steadfast Paladin is like an A plus two drop in this deck because it's just going to gain you so much life and let you race. So great. Um, The three one Hobgoblin Captain who will come up again and again is just one of the best commons in this set, I think. It's so good. Uh, He's amazing because giving first strike and a stat bonus is awesome. Yeah, and you just want them all and the two one. The two one that draws you a card and and gains a life because again, it's just a body to hold the equipment but it's... 
it replaces itself ends up being really good yeah so so uh, interestingly the like commons that actually get bonuses when they're equipped i think are like the tier two of the two drops you want you want them but not as badly as you want the the other two drops because they're just better like the red two two that gets menace and the the three one is okay that that gets plus o plus two yeah but i generally want the the life linker yeah or uh have flying or something um mm -hmm. much much better so uh continuing on uh the white green life gain deck I've never had this happen, but I've played against this a lot. Mm -hmm. So I've drafted green-white once, and it had almost no life gain synergies. It was just, like, good removal spells, efficiently costed creatures. It was like the owl-bear kind of deck. Yeah. You know, and, like, uh, and I had a, a dritzed to at the top end, oh, which well. helped me win a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't have the... I think I had the 2-2 Celestia thing that when you gain a life you get a counter and, and scry but i had like only one way in the whole deck to gain life so I, I got it to a three three maybe once oh so i wasn't really doing the life gain thing but that's what you're supposed to do is take you know the problem is they're all uncommons like you want the innkeeper you want that guy that gets the counter and scries you want the cleric class uh and those are all your recursive ways to do stuff like this or the the good payoffs Otherwise, you're playing, like, the 2-drop 1-3 that gains 2 life and the Unicorn 3-2 that gets a counter, which are both somewhat underwhelming cards on their own. Yeah, well, you can play the 2-1 the Dwarf that draws a card and gains 1 life. You don't forget yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, that... he's just one... He's, like, one of the best white commons. He just goes in every white deck. Yeah, because, but it, yeah. especially in this deck, just because when I was playing against someone, I was like, oh, sweet, you get to draw a card. I was like, you also get to gain a life and then both of your creatures get counters? What the heck? This is... This it looks like I'm conceding to your three mana two. Yeah, like, what, what is this? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I haven't had... I, I also haven't played it really. Like, you played a version that wasn't really the life gain version. Um, I haven't really fallen into this at all, but maybe I should. I've been seeing a lot of those unicorns just, like, going really late, so maybe... But uh, it seems like I've had some problems against it a couple times, and you get to play, you get to play Owlbear, and you get to play the Dwarf, and those are some of like the like best commons in my opinion because you they just replace themselves and they're awesome. Yeah. So just having like somebody good with creatures like, seems great. I had somebody with the whole thing going. They had like the two two, and then they had cleric class, the two two that gets a counter when you gain life. Mm -hmm. And then they also had the Sylvan, the 2-3 thing um, that attacks and you roll a d20 and, and you gain, gain life. life. With Vigilance. And they also had Ranger class. And so they were attacking with this thing, pumping that up, and then it would gain life and pump something else up. And I still managed to grind them out because they had no trample. And so I just remember looking at that. I was like, that's about the best this deck can ever do. And I beat it, and it was tricky, but not particularly difficult, actually. Yeah. Well, props to you, I guess. I, I uh, would have conceded probably at that point, just been like, oh, oh. I, yeah, I was thought about it, and I was like, let's just play it out. And oh. then they were just kind of gaining life that was a bit irrelevant after, and I eventually managed to find a removal spell, which kind of dismantled the whole combo. Yeah. And then kind of took it from there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I've heard it's pretty strong. I do want to play it, but I, uh, I'm, I don't really like forcing anything, so... Uh, We'll see if that ever comes about. Um, yeah. Now to my like least favorite one of them all, blue green ramp value, like just just blue green stuff. 
again. So I haven't played with or against this at all. No. I've never played in a game of this limited format that involved someone on blue-green. So I think so. I think that people are just kind of, you know, we, we had this in Kaldheim and in Strixhaven, where it's like you're playing blue-green something with, you know, red, you know, some teamer. Some ramping. Some ramping, yes. play some big stuff, yeah. blow some things up, <laughs> it'll be good. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be in this format where it's like, uh, you could do that, but I don't, it might it be too sucks. slow. Yeah. It's a bit slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, it's not my favorite color combination and the, the way the games usually play out is also just like great. It's, you know, good, good value. Great. Um, yeah. Like the only reason I know that's the theme is because of the green blue O four that draws a card and puts a land onto the battlefield yeah. when you activate it. I, I will say that that is some groundbreaking design, uh, not going to lie. Like, I haven't seen that ability really ever. Yeah, draw so, a card, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Like, instant It's almost surprising it took them this long to come up with that. I know, it just seems brilliant, because, like, blue draws cards and green puts lands into place, so... Just, yeah, it's just so elegant. How did they not think of that before? It's just... It's crazy. Insane. Yeah. Um... So as far as this deck goes, I don't really know a lot about it because I just have never seen it. Like, <laughs> it really yeah. feels... I don't know what you're supposed to do in this color pair, really. <laughs> yeah, just play big, play the purple worm, maybe? That's the that's a green card, or a green-black card, I think. Well, it's a, it's a green card, but it's for green-black. But, like, do you, you still yeah, play that, I, I guess? It's for the green-black. Yeah. You just... But what are the other... You Hopefully you get a dragon, I guess? What else are you ramping yeah, into? Yeah, what are you ramping into, like... The I guess the dragons. I mean, but all the decks want to do that, so it's not like you're special in that sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just ramping feel like into it, old knob. You're ramping into the Tarask. That's what you're. Doing. Oh right, yeah. If you open a Tarask, you can play yeah, that. You just get that mythic rare six green 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 ten ten. Perfect. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that I, I open that next time I'm playing. That'll that'll yeah, make me want. That's the smart way to go. Yeah, for sure. And still lose because you're green blue. Exactly. Uh, moving right along, black green. Jeff, I'll, I'll hand the reins over to you. Yeah, I've played this a couple of times and never really got it to work. But it's clear that the idea is whenever a creature dies, you know, X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of cards that trigger off whenever a creature dies or at the beginning of the end step, if a creature died, and so on. And so that's kind of the point of this deck. Black has a lot of removal, even at common. Even green has a lot of removal, actually. Like, there's a lot of fight cards going on at green. Mm -hmm. And, uh, or I guess not fight, but bite, bite yeah, cards bite where cards. They, they deal their damage. And so, and they trigger off your creatures dying or their creatures dying. There's some ways to sacrifice. So it's kind of this, like, what you'd expect of classic Golgari of, like, you know, try to grind them out and, and creatures dying matters. Um, I just personally... It just never quite seems to get there for me. So the cards are just individually too weak if you don't get your your system rolling. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it also seems like the the uncommon uh, Shesra, how do you say that? She yeah. Shesra, Death's Whisper. Right. Just doesn't seem awesome. It, she it just, just seems bad, actually. Like a I played it a couple of times, and it's just it's never good. Well, four mana, one, three. First of all, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, these abilities better be fucking awesome. Yeah, if it's and a they're four mana one and they're like, oh, you force creatures to block. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah. I, no, 
It's like so I can attack my 1-1 one, one and, and make them kill it so that I can trigger the creature died this turn thing. Class. And then, yeah. You... I can, so that I can trigger that second ability one time. Yeah, <laughs> it's not awesome. Uh, and it's just too, like, it's too slow, you know? It's, it's, it's just too, four mana 1-3 is just too bad a stat line, and this format has a lot of, like, stats are important. 3-1 first It almost feels like a core set in that way, where it's like, yeah, this is just a 3-3 three, three for 3. It's just good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll come back to the core set thing that you just said, because I think that is kind of important uh, when drafting this set. Um, but to one of my favorite archetypes, actually, is the Black Red Treasure deck. This thing... Yes, now we're talking. This thing is sweet. All right, so um, I don't... I Actually, okay, so <clears throat> I usually hate playing Black Red. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I like black a lot and red is not my favorite and uh mm-hmm. and then i just I, i've never like a lot of the you attack when this attack you it triggers a thing that makes you sacrifice a creature and then it gets bigger and all that stuff has never been that exciting to me um mm-hmm. i love the steal someone's creature in sack it that's really good and you can do that in this set you pretty can, well yeah. uh with common cards which is awesome um but i've like this whole treasure value thing and like being able to to step into all these different uh like decks, you can either be like an aggressive one or like slow down and like just try to ramp out your your dragons faster or whatever you have. Um, I've loved this. Yeah, this is this is an awesome archetype. I've only gotten to play it like once, I think, because it's also very popular, and so it's hard to get the like you know the, the, the red black uh, uncommon Kalein or whatever. Mm-hmm. I almost never see it. Yeah, because people are taking it. So because it's so good. Yeah, it's good and it's sweet, and uh, it's good it's and a lot it's of, sweet. <laughs> exactly, it's that it's that sick sweet spot. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit aggressive, but it doesn't have to be. Like it can kill you very quickly, but it can also play the long game. Yeah, uh, and like you know, you got your deadly disputes and stuff. Sack sack a treasure, draw two, put another treasure into play, um, or you could sack a creature, I guess. But yeah, this this deck just has a lot going on. There's a lot of different ways you could build it. Like you said, you could focus on the the steel sack thing, which I have lost to, mm-hmm. or you could focus more on the treasure grind thing, which I have lost to. So it's like, you know, this is just a, a really strong deck. And and basically, if you see a red or black common that talks about treasure tokens, it's probably it goes in this deck. Yeah, even that fucking herald of Hadar. <laughs> that's the the five mana four four that you can pay six to roll a d20 and drain or yeah i was gonna say that doesn't reference treasure tokens but that does. just goes to show i never i never hit a 20 so yeah it <laughs> it does and it of course they get the 20 right when they're trying to kill you so that the treasure's just for fun yeah. anyway it, sure. the reason i think it kind of you know it's a dice rolly card um but it always feels like it's in that deck because at a certain point sometimes they just are running out of cards and they don't have anything to draw and they just have a ton of treasures yeah. or just extra mana. And they're just like, sick, I'll just do this. Because I got to totally. ramp all my creatures out faster because the treasure tokens I used earlier. And now I just have six mana every turn to do whatever I want. Yeah. And I've personally just been loving the Plundering Barbarian. So the, the two red, two and a red 2-2 two, two that you can either destroy an artifact or create a treasure. That card it just incidentally blows up so many things. And then the fail case of making a treasure is just is, is good, too. It's great. That card, because, yeah. like... Like we were saying before, the equipment deck is pretty strong, and having a bunch of incidental ways to blow up artifacts, this of uh, the Plundering Barbarian is definitely a strong one. It's just like, yeah, 
I put it in my deck to make a treasure token, but oh, look, there's an equipment that I don't really like. Yeah. Bye. See ya. <laughs> or sometimes a creature that's bothering you just happens to be an artifact, too, and you're like, oh, yeah. wait, why was I thinking about making a treasure with this when I can blow up that 5-3 golem? Yeah, exactly. It, it, <laughs> it's... And there's a lot of cards like that. That's not the only one. Um, that just happens to be the creature that's like the easiest to justify. But a lot of the like double, like the choose your own adventure things, you're like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. I could also just blow up an artifact. That's pretty nice. Yeah, like it, it's legitimately to the point where when Bag of Holding was an M21, I thought it was, I think it was a bomb and it was a rare. Mm -hmm. And it was something you were actively hoping to open. And in this set, I don't even take it anymore because it just gets blown up. And all I did was spend like three mana to loot. Exactly. And just like, you know, put some cards in exile. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I, I love that. Because I remember seeing it at Uncommon. I was like, what are they, crazy? They can't put this at Uncommon because it, it would just take over games of M21. Yeah. And But obviously they knew they knew better than me because they played with it and they're like, this actually sucks in this set because it's just going to die. Yeah. But we have to keep it in the set because it's the bag of holding and that's really important. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's just going to die for free is the problem. Like, incidentally, after they play their 2-2 or they play this other card, exactly. it just dies. Yeah. Um, I think part of the issue here, too, is that makes this deck so good is usually the red-black archetype has to play these kind of garbagey cards. Like you say, the Act of Treason and the crappy Sack Outlets. Mm -hmm. And so their card quality is so low. But in this set in particular, the red-black deck has some of the highest card, just individual card quality of any of the decks. And also, like, a strong, cohesive theme. So it just feels like even if you don't quite get there on your treasure synergies, your cards are just good. No, absolutely. Yeah, so a lot of people consider that deck to be the strongest deck of the format. Yeah, um, which I think I agree. I, I've played it uh, a couple times, and uh, I, de it was the, what, I think it was the first deck that I played uh, in my sealed pool, and it was like, oh, okay, this is awesome. This is going to be sweet. Yeah, I haven't played with or against it really enough, but uh, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, but moving right along to the blue-red dice rolling deck, uh, we we talked about this one last time, and uh, after a week, I my thoughts are exactly the same. Yeah, I'm drafting it less than I was before. I so. I'm actively not drafting it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to avoid this one. Um, it can be really good. It just requires everything to come together. Mm -hmm. Um, which because a lot of the dice rolling cards aren't that bad on their own. Like I actually no. like swarming goblins. Um, you know, the Faraday's Fireball is pretty good, totally fine card, and stuff like that. Um, and we talked about Goblin Morningstar and mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, but to really make this deck pop, you do need the uncommons. So you need the, the one that makes a 1-1, one, one, uh, the Fey Trickster. Yeah, that makes the fairy dragons. Yeah, or you need the, the Chaos Channeler that kind of draws you cards when it attacks when you roll a die. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's inconsistent in the draft portion because the payoffs, the good payoffs for dice rolling are all uncommon. Mm -hmm. And then the good, the dice rolling cards are, are common, sure, but it's not like they're amazing. They're just pretty good. They're just fine. And then it also is inconsistent in the games because you then need to draw your payoffs and a good, a healthy mix of payoffs and dice rolling. Yeah. And so this is kind of juxtaposed to the other ones where... Um, I guess the same way that the, the equipment deck, you need to have creatures and equipment. So yeah, you need two different things. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, also the deck we haven't talked about yet is the, the gruel deck. And that one is fantastic because you want like basically one thing to happen and it happens every game. 
And it's play yeah. a bunch of creatures and turn them sideways, which yeah, is nice. Exactly. You're just trying to curve out like you're trying to do in limited anyways. Exactly. So it's already on par with what you're trying to do. That's why it feels strong. And the dice rolling deck is hard because you do have these synergistic pieces that you have to find. And even if you don't get them in the right order, it can be brutal. And then even when you find them later, they're, they won't always bail you out. Exactly. Yeah. So you're going to lose a lot to the red-blue deck, I think, when they just get the their dream draw. Mm-hmm. And there just seems like they're making 1-1s one, all over the place and blowing everything up and drawing extra cards and stuff. But that's like the dream situation. You just have to know that they, they drew their no. cards in the right order. Exactly. And, and when you play it, you'll see, you know, you'll go like 2-3 because that'll happen twice, but the other three games you'll, exactly. you'll yeah. just won't accomplish much. Or, or it's the... It's the game that you just steamrolled them, and you're like, what were they even playing? And you're like, it might have been the dice rolling deck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just didn't have any blue so You just didn't notice when the dice rolling deck rolled low. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, okay, it's just whatever. I'm not worried about it. Uh, but yeah, like you were saying, next, but cer- last but certainly not least, is the green-red archetype. And this is my favorite one. It's the one I've had the most success with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe red-white I've had the equal amount of success, but... Uh, I, I love green-red, and all I try to do in this deck is take the really good red 2-drop with pack tactics and the really good green 2-drop with pack tactics. And my goal is to build a deck that enables pack tactics on those two guys as quickly as possible. That's great. It, so are you, you're playing uh, pump spells in this deck? You're, you're doing... I don't play a ton of pump spells. The one I do like is the, the bard, the 3-3 the three, three for 4 that gives it plus two, plus two. Yeah. Because then you could go two drop, three drop, and enable pack tax immediately with the bard. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just find the pump spells are just not that good in this format, like on a raw rate level, so I don't like to play too many of them. Yeah. I, no, I know these things. I just, uh, I like pump spells, and so I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see which ones you were you were playing, if any. But uh, you're playing a creature that uh, also pumps, so... I guess. Like, I think of, like, you see a pair of goblins, which can give your creatures plus two, plus oh. Mm-hmm. But it, it can also has a, an out of giving making two one ones, you know? Yeah. Or I play Valor Singer, which gives plus one, plus oh at the start of combat, and it's a two, three. You know, these are pumping you, um, but they're they do other things good cards yeah. <laughs> rather than the, the pump spells in this format tend to be pretty bad cards. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you're telling me stop playing bull strength? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I don't. I, I have played a bull strength in this deck, but I just don't like it. It's like the worst. Um, what was the red one that costs one and gives more power? Infuriate. Uh, no, no, but it gets trample. Oh. Oh, you just. Or maybe it costs. It costs one. Maybe it costs two. It costs two. It. You're talking about um, the one from Kaldheim, that's been in a yeah, ton yeah. of sets. Holy crap! What is that card called? Anyways, this is, like, such a bad version of that that it offends me. But this one untaps. <laughs> Surprise blocks. I don't care about that. <laughs> I have no interest in blocking. I used that today because I, uh, I was playing um, green-black, and I had the skeleton enchantment that makes the tap skeletons. And so I had to keep attacking with them. And so they eventually attacked in, and I got to untap and block their key creature with the skeleton they didn't think would untap. So, I don't know. It seems pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking of run amok, by the way. Run amok, yeah, that's the card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a terrible run amok, so. It's a fine run amok. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. <laughs> but yeah, this, this 
this deck again you're kind of getting by on your card quality and and in particular the strength of your two drops and being able to get out under your opponent and then both these colors have really strong removal again so uh, absolutely similar to the uh the black red deck which has awesome removal as well so yeah but hey jeff i uh do you have any last thoughts because I, I i needed beer uh no my last thoughts are just uh draft red there you go draft red because yeah. <laughs> the the red and green deck is good the red and black deck is good and the red and white deck is good yeah draft red but don't take stuff that rolls dice <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> stay away from that that's the that's the pitfall you're like oh what do they say draft yeah. red okay this red blue deck seems pretty good <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Not that one. That's the only one you can't draft. Yeah. All right, well, let's go to a beer break. So, Jeff, on the scenic route, I, I did read the back. Because okay. of you, I'm starting to read the back of beers. I know, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but it does say this. So this is Mus- Muskoka Brewing Company, and uh, it's their Moonlight Kettle Series, which is their small batch one. And mm-hmm. apparently... They have uh, different employees do their little... Uh, every month, they, three employees get to get, get together and make a beer. And so this is the uh-huh. one for, for this month. So it is brewed by Will, Mark, and Jesse. But the thing that I liked about it was on the side, it says Venture Off the Beaten Path. You, you picked this because ah, it, it says Venture. That's, yeah, that's why I brought this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of Venture. That's what venture. I thought. Yeah, yeah, because we're venturing yeah. into Limited. Magic yeah, off the beaten path, you know? Yeah, it's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> the beaten path would be standard, and uh, we're venturing off that. Yes. To limited. To, to limited. All right, anyway. So, finishing up our thoughts about some of the, uh, the different uh, archetypes and, and colors and things in, uh, in draft, do you have any, like, colors you... Well, okay, so we said that red is the best color, right? Do you have a yeah, color you yeah, I mean, might want to avoid? We really liked three of the four red color pairs, right? Exactly. So, uh, and I found, even when I was losing, I remember thinking red seems like the best color. Mm-hmm. And then when I was doing better, I agreed that red was the best color. And then it seems like the community kind of agrees on that, too. Most people think red is the best color. Um, then I find blue is the worst color for me. I don't know if this is something that, that everybody agrees on. I couldn't really find posts about this yeah it just seems to me like you know i look at the the blue decks the saboteur one is kind of cool but it's hard to get into white blue again i I never really see it blue green seems bad and blue red seems bad so yeah it just seems to me like blue is bad um which is a nice change of pace (laughs) yeah it definitely is uh and then for me all the other three are kind of equal in the middle like different decks uh, you know, the, the black-red deck's really good, the green-red deck's really good, the white-red deck's really good, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, all draftable alongside the best color, at least. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. Um, my success with blue decks has not been very high, and I have recently been seeing just blue is super open. So I don't know if it'll yeah. change now that it's just like, wow, like, packs the end are just like all blue cards. Um, yeah, like I don't think blue is so bad that you should avoid it at all costs. There are still some good cards in blue. For sure. And so that's how draft is going to be self-correcting, right? Where mm-hmm. You're seeing blue is open now. You're going to end up drafting blue a bit more and just winning on the back of, you know, 3-3 three, three flyer scry one or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
but I think it's in general good to kind of keep an eye out if you if you can go red you should try mm. like if you're making a pick between a red card and a blue card and you know maybe just take the red card because you'd rather be red than blue yeah I think that's a good uh, good way to go yeah I don't know do you have you found any difference between like the middle three I, I wasn't really able to rank them um it's hard because I like white so much, but I do feel like s- there are some cards that are just not as... I- I'd rather be in black, I think. I'd rather be in black and red. Or um, mm-hmm. I even enjoyed the black and the green or black and white, but um, if I can't be in red. But yeah, yeah I think black might be my the next one. Which I would, could buy that. Which yeah. would make sense. Because I mean, black has like power word kill and stuff. It's yeah, exactly. Good. I also like that dragon a lot. Um, it does cost seven mana, but the whole, you know, straight up killing one of their creatures is great. Yeah, it might be the best dragon. Cause mm-hmm. it's just like the, the easiest two for one you'll ever get. Exactly. And it's a good two for one. Like the card you're up is a 4-4 four, four flyer. Exactly. Um, also, because black has the Reaper's Talisman, right? So there, it just seems like I'd, I would like to be there. Yeah, although I found Grim, Grim Bounty, is that what it's called? I found that worse than I would have expected it to be um, on the outset just because it's just a bit slow. And, like, a lot of the time I need to kill their two-drop, and then I have Grim Bounty, and I'm like, ugh. Yeah, I've had many people kill a two-drop with Grim Bounty, and then I play an Owlbear or something, and they're like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, not that... I I do think that Grim Bounty's pretty good. Um, Yeah, it's not bad, but I would have expected it to be, like, the best common in the set at, you know, kill something, make a treasure. It's really powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that award has to go to Dragon's Fire, probably. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Dragon's Fire is so good. <laughs> I've actually been impressed with Manticore um, just uh, because it, it seems so bad because it's like a four mana 2 1 flyer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't love that. But uh, the combination of that with some like first striking creatures is really mm-hmm. awesome. And being able to either block with a rust uh, monster, what is it? Like a rust monster? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, uh, or if you're attacking and you're like making a chump attack and then after first strike damage, you get to flash that guy in. It's, uh, that's a, that's a thing that is now happening a lot more when I have to, all right, well, they are, yeah, you, if I see a first striker, I'm like, they could play this and like really blow me out. So I, I am not blocking those anymore. Yeah. You definitely have to keep Manticore in mind mm-hmm. for sure. I think once people start remembering it's in the set, cards like this tend to get a lot worse. Yeah. Because we've seen iterations of the flash thing that destroys a creature that took damage. Yeah, we had that in um, Call Time as, as well. It yeah. Was, it's a similar thing where it was four mana, but that one had Foretell, so you could do, hold up two instead. Right, yeah. And the cards are always fine, um, and but they do, they do get a little worse as people play the format more and remember that this is yeah. a part of it. Whereas, you know, when you don't know any of the cards, you're just like, oh, whatever, I'll just block. Why wouldn't I? And then, and then ah, that's, that's and then why the gotcha. I don't block their 1-1 with my 7-6. Right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I would probably agree with that, that if I was forced to choose the second best color, I'd say black. But yeah. I think it's all very close at that point. I agree. I, I definitely agree with that as well. So, yeah, I think last time I was talking about how the format's not that fast, and I basically have completely changed my mind on that now, like... I think it can get into these grindy kind of stall the board situations. Um, but most of my games are going much quicker now because I'm just taking the two drops. Like 
this set just has really, really good two-drop set common. Mm -hmm. Like, almost every color. I think blue is the only color that does not have a, a strong two-drop at common. Yeah. Um, and that's part of why I think blue is the worst, because the two-drops are bad. I also think it's interesting because there are... Um, I had seen somebody that was talking about how the set was going to be slow because each color has a 1-3 a for 2 that will stop two mm -hmm. drums. Um, some of the, like, besides the Hobgoblin Captain, but, um, you know, you play your Steadfast Paladin and someone plays a 1-3, you're like, well, that's not the worst thing because I'm going to gain life, but I won't really get in any damage. But most yeah. of those 1-3s are not very good. Like... Exactly. And, and like, even the black 1-3 wants to be attacking. It doesn't want yeah. to be on blocking 2-drop duty. Exactly. But, like, I don't see a lot of people playing the Dawnbringer Cleric, or if they do, I'm like, sweet, that's not good. Um, that the Pixie guy... That one, I think, is probably the best one, just because sometimes nailing an enchantment for free is kind of nice. That is true. Um, I just feel like you're in white, so that's the you're playing oh i guess no someone could charm charm something to sleep there are two different uh um tap down your thing in, in blue so no that is good um but i just don't see it <laughs> i just don't see it that's it yeah it's not my favorite card like other people take it ahead of me in their pick orders so i never have it yeah but and i think every time it's been played against me i'm like okay sure sure yeah it's, it's never been good against me but i can imagine a situation where it's good yeah the only time i want it is if someone plays a minimus containment on me and i'm like man i wish i could either blow this up or you know play something that would make them sacrifice it like the uh the beholder but yeah yeah there is a lot of like enchantment based removal because there's even portable oh that's an artifact i guess that's but, an artifact. uh but there's like three yeah, so there's three right there's four because there's the blue uh there's the blue charm sleep and then there's the other blue one that cares if it's red also taps it oh yeah yeah i forgot about yeah. that one um it does more stuff if it's red but if it's not then it, it does less of course um plus mm -hmm. there's the black one too precipitous drop yeah, also yeah. is there so there are quite a few in like enchant yeah enchantments <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm like second guessing myself it's enchantments right yes it's enchantments yeah, yeah, <laughs> those are those are what those are called um and then aren't you an auras player <laughs> yeah right um so there are like uh, a few cards that will get rid of those things um but for the most part uh i still maybe that's just me no maybe i'm having a moment where i'm realizing i should be playing more enchantment removal in my decks because there have been times <laughs> where it's like man if i could just get that that uh whatever card that's underneath that turned it into a crystal back man that would be great I yeah, really but like, like you were saying, the Beholder is a beating, but like the 1-3 is whatever, because the 1-3 body is not that useful, so it's like kind of good. Yeah. But even in the dream situation of you get a 1-3 and you blow up an enchantment, it's still like, that wasn't that much better than Naturalize. Yes. Because the 1-3 is not that relevant. Mm -hmm. The Baleful Beholder always feels like a friggin' beating, because it's a 6-5 and it blows up your enchantment. Yeah, the only thing with that is that they just it, sacrifice it, so if they have more than one, they can do the one, the lesser yeah, of the Yeah, but equals, I feel but. like that's, that's fairly uncommon. And I think the upside of sometimes you just win because you give everything menace is also pretty nice. That's very true. That card is pretty good, actually. I do like it. I've liked it. I, I like having, like, one copy in my black deck. Yes. 
I think my first sealed pool had two of those and two of the gaze of the beholder or uh, eyes of the beholder. I keep, yeah. I keep trying to yeah. say gaze, but it's eyes of the beholder. <laughs> anyway, so that I'm, I have a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because the beholder just clogged up the, my top end and I kept getting, I was just like, right. all right, well, I'm cutting a lot of these cards because it's just too much. And, but no, I do think that card's pretty good. All six drop beholder related cards all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I quickly just, we, we talked about all the different uh, color pairs and everything, but splashing colors, we touched on this a little bit in other draft formats saying, Hey, look at my just pile of cards that are good. And I have a bunch of fixing and this format doesn't feel like it has a lot of fixing. No. So it's always interesting, like how good evolving wilds is in a format. I think it's pretty good here, but not for the reason it's usually good. Usually you pick up Evolving Wilds and it lets you splash. I don't even like doing that in this format. Mm -hmm. I pick up Evolving Wilds just to smooth out the mana base, you know? Yeah. Just so I can play like a 10-9 mana base or whatever. Or like a 9-9 a mana base, I mean. Yeah. Because splashing just honestly doesn't... You don't get the two or three non-treasure sources that you would normally get to make it worth it. So... Even when you're splashing, it's usually just off treasure. But the fact is, you want to be using your treasure just to cast spells in a natural game of magic. You don't want to always have to sit back and think, I got to keep a treasure because I put a white card in my deck. Exactly. Know? Like, I actually drafted a pretty good red-black... Uh, when, I, when I drafted red-black treasures, I decided to splash an adult gold dragon into it. Mm -hmm. uh, just off the, you know copious treasures. amounts of treasure generating I had in the deck mm -hmm. and it was still always annoying every time I drew it I couldn't cast it and then I had to wait to draw a treasure creator and then and wait then till the next turn because you probably have to wait after exactly you, yeah. um yeah I I have splashed a little bit uh, and I've been doing fine um but for the most part yeah I would I would say that that is the splash that I would go for is the uh, I'm already playing one of the colors I need one color pip of that. It's already technically like it doesn't feel like a, a completely different colored card, right? Like I'm not just play, splashing one good uh, black rare in my white red deck, right? Right. But yeah, it's it is hard, and I would say don't do it, especially because a lot of the good ones are like double colored. Um. They're I think usually it makes your deck enough enough worse that it's not worth it. So yeah, well, I'm basically saying don't do that. And the other thing is, uh, don't splash for off-colored classes. Yes. <laughs> you can't. You can't level them up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Classes are good because your ability to level them up, and it's so hard to do that off the splash. So even if you get some really powerful, like the Paladin class is a very powerful card. It's not a good card to splash. You yeah. know, think of it as like a triple white card. Exactly. It's the same thing with the main lands because you can't activate them, you know? Yeah. Like, don't right. make that the source, your black source. You won't be able to turn it on. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, just, just little, because those are just weird brain farts that you have. And you can be, we've been so used to these last few sets have been like common dual lands. And we're like, sick, they're everywhere. This is not that, mm -hmm. this is a core set. It's yeah. not called that but it is functioning like that it's very corsetti like you mm -hmm. play two colors almost never more than that almost never one color um stats matter like just mm -hmm. get guys that have good stats those are always going to be pretty good cards you know like 
there are a lot of formats where the random 7-6 giant that gains three life would not be good, and in this format it's fine because it's just huge. Mm -hmm. And so if you like core sets like I do, you're probably really enjoying this set because it, it's, like it's like a little bit of a supercharged core set in that the themes are pushed a little harder than they would be, but it still comes down to the fundamentals of like, it's a 3-3 three, three for 3. Let's let's see what I could do with it. Yeah, and I think the only supercharged parts are like the dice rolling cards look like a lot, but they're really not because most of the time they just barely change. And uh, and of course, the um, choose-your-own-adventure cards um, add yeah, a lot of text. give a lot of freedom, yeah. Yeah, because then you get like the... You get double value on cards that you normally wouldn't. Um, so that's the only piece that feels different than a corset. But for the most part, it's a corset, and I love it. And I agree with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I always love corset. Corsets are great. So it, it was kind of sad when they were like, hey, we're going to get rid of this, but at least we have this. So Yeah, I think they intentionally tried to keep some of the spirit of corset draft alive in this format, mm -hmm. which I, I appreciate as someone who, like, every summer I end up drafting a ton because I just love drafting where we just all have a bunch of two threes and let's see who wins, you know? Like. Exactly. It's also really smart that it would be the corset if this is supposed to bring D&D &D players into magic, smart. Right. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, look at, look at that. Look at totally. us. Totally. So good. So, so. Impromptu question I have for you, because I was just thinking about it. All right. How would you, like, how do you feel about the rares in this set? Because some sets, the rares are, like, so good that they dominate the format. And in some sets, you know, they're just fine, and you add them to your deck. You're always going to play them, but they don't take over the game, you know? Um, so I think... The rares are a good place where um, there are some that are awesome, there are some that are constructed playable, and there's some that are just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't really know how to play with Flump. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I had somebody play Flump against me. Yeah. I was like, is this even good? Like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it blocks long enough to for your control deck to work and your. You have to it, you have to be confident in your game plan if you think Flump is a good yeah, card. If you're main deck, decking, yeah, if you're main decking that card, you must be like a pro because I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is. Um, but I have liked it because like, the fact that um, you can still play dragons and you don't need rares, awesome. Love that. That's always fun, yeah. Be I remember, that brings me back to the Dragons of Tarkir days, mm -hmm. which I also really enjoyed yeah. that format. Because it still feels like you have a bomb even though it's not a rare. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's not just the seven six giant or something, right? It's like, oh, this is a bomb that you're gonna have to worry about this flying thing. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, I, I do, I do think that a, there are a lot of constructed playable rares and mythics, and you don't necessarily need them in your deck. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the rares do not dominate the game. Mm -hmm. I, the planeswalkers are obviously very, very strong. Yeah. And I think the only rare that I've encountered that felt really egregious was Meteor Swarm, where it was just like, all right, well, you just you blew up my entire board mm -hmm. and kept your board in completely intact. That card's so that good. That one felt a little bit like this This card should, should be banned from the limited format. Um, you know what happened to me today? I was playing. So we're at parity in this, like, board state. No, 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 we weren't even at parity. It was just like... I had blockers enough to stay at one life. And then on this crackback, I was going to win. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're deciding whether they were, could attack me because I had so many skeletons and I had the, the skeleton thing going. And they draw their card and they're looking at it and they had no cards in hand besides this. And they wait rope like twice. 
And then they play Meteor Swarm. And I'm like, why did you <laughs> do that everything. to me? Why did you... <laughs> Kill everything you're dead. Yeah, and I, it was just like, you knew you were going to slam that, but you really made me sweat. Like, they had to, like, count the X they were able to pay for. Yeah, it. I think it was just them figuring out how to play it, not uh, not being yeah, mean to me. How to actually cast this card. But it felt... Like, in paper, they would just flip it, and you'd concede. Yeah, it. but it, it felt, like, so rude. Because it was like, oh, dude, yeah. you could have just... The ultimate, the old double rope slow roll. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> when it's really like, you're just saying oops, like trying to figure out the, how, how much do I put down this? I don't know. Um, so that was, yeah. uh, that was rough. That That's was really the only rough. rare that I feel like, yeah, you're never beating that, and that should probably have been a mythic rare, even if it would be an unexciting mythic rare, like just for the limited format, not to have that, like, you want that to show up as, as seldom as possible? Yes. Or just not even have it in the set, because like... I don't know. Is, are people going to play this in Constructed? I think it's... Well, I mean, I love it in this. Apparently, it's a, a sweet... Uh, like, it's a very known, well-known spell or something in d, &D. Uh, okay. So they had to do it. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah. That's the only one that I'm aware of. But it's just been like, well, what the fuck? Like, we were having a good game, and then my opponent drew that card. Mm -hmm. Like... <laughs> I, I guess I love it because I had it. I I only I haven't had it played on me very often, and I've had it many times. So I think it's great. Okay, so you think it's really great <laughs> I'm the one doing to it to you, so it feels yeah. awesome. Where I'm like, all now you know that you have to double rope before you exactly. Do. Well, because my whole game is usually like, okay, well I can win if I draw meter swarm, I win this game, which is obviously that just happens. So I'm like playing yeah. just to that one out of like, can I get my meteor swarm anyway. Uh, Tangents but like I, like I was saying, I played against Ranger class, and I was able to beat it. Yeah. It's a really strong, constructed level card, and it was good. Like it's, It was definitely, it's definitely good, behind a lot. But I've lost to um, it. I've lost with it a lot. Yeah, like it wasn't unbeatable, mm -mm. you know, whereas Meteor Swarm is kind of unbeatable. Like, I don't know. I can't imagine a board state where my opponent has like six mana and Meteor Swarm, and they... I, and I win the game at some point. Yeah, <laughs> like the the three red mana is supposed to make I have it all nine nines. I, I think the three red mana is supposed to make it harder, uh, except mm -hmm. for you have treasures in that color. So you're like, oh well, I have two red mana. That's enough. Yeah. plus a treasure. Exactly, yeah. which also means they can often cast it for like five and just exactly. wipe everything. So good. That card's so good. I love it. <laughs> um, but speaking if of... If you thought Magic Missile was good... Yeah. You see this. Um, yeah, that's actually fun. They, they kind of, like, level up. It's like a... The, I think the same character would probably have Magic Missile and then eventually move up to, uh, to Meteor Swarm. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Like a wizard, yeah. Yeah, I don't really know, but... Um, so coming from cards that we think are really great, I want to bring back the no pass list. We have talked about this um, a long time ago. I feel like it doesn't doesn't come up very often, but um, just a reminder, just a refresher. Jeff, what what is a no pass list? All right, so a no pass list is the encapsulation of our idea that we promote rare, dra rare drafting. Yes. Right. So by a no pass list, I mean think about, and, and this only applies if you play constructed. Um, if you have no interest in constructed whatsoever, then just draft as you would, I suppose. But if you are interested in constructed, just take a little look through the available cards, rares, and mythic rares in this format, and think, which ones do I really want for my co collection, for my constructed decks? And then just kind of make a deal with yourself that you will never pass those cards. That way you aren't, you know, wondering during the draft, should I take the card that's better for my draft deck or should I take the card that's better for my collection? Um, because you've already made the deal. 
You're taking the card for your collection. Exactly. Um, and this is a great way for you to also just look at the cards, um, actually decide which ones you want and you need for decks that you're actually going to build and play, as opposed to in the draft being like, oh, well, I might want to do that. That'd be kind of fun. And then you waste a pick on it or whatever. Um, yeah. So this is so exactly. that you don't have to waste your rare and mythic cards because your wild cards because it's so hard to get rare and mythic wild cards that mm -hmm. there is no shame in taking them in the draft. Don't let anyone make you feel bad about rare drafting. And the reality is like the good uncommon or common that would make your draft deck is only going to change your likelihood of, of doing well in the draft by like a couple percent. So at best, you know, like it's, it's often not, you're not going to draw it or what, or what have you, and over the course of however many games the draft is going to be, like five to five to nine games or whatever, it's just not going to make that huge of an impact. It might win you like one game or something, but, you know, most of the time it won't. So you're, you're not actually giving up that much by rare drafting, yeah. uh, despite what other people would have you believe. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but also note, like the reason we want to have a, a list of cards that we actually want to use is so that you're not looking at something like true polymorph and you're like, Oh, but it's a rare, and you're like, well, yeah. but true polymorph, are you actually going to play that card? Is it ever going to, you don't want to play that in draft or construct. It's just so. not, it's not good. <laughs> and just because it's gold, you know, just don't. Don't worry about yeah, some of those so cards. Just, you already had made the Just have a list of cards that you want for whatever constructed deck you're working towards or constructed decks you might want to play in the future. Or something that you, and, uh, you're trying to brew or, or anything like that. Exactly. And our, our number one recommendation is that uh, whatever rare dual lands or, like, in this case, man lands are in the set, they should always appear on your no-pass list. I even had the Snarls on mine, and those are some of the worst duels ever. So. Yes. Um, I also had Snarls on mine. So, but yeah, usually the lands are usually the first thing I go with because it's, yeah. you, you're going to play them in every deck, basically, that you have. Exactly. I almost said rare lands, but then I remembered that we have one in the set that, like, makes treasures no, or something. No, we have two other rare lands in the set. <laughs> One of them lets you venture into the dungeon, and the other one sacrifices to make Oh treasures. my god, the one that ventures into the dungeon, I looked at it, I was like, why is this so bad? It's so it's bad. Like you have to tap a legendary creature and four mana and this or something, and it's like, what the hell? It also enters the battlefield tapped, don't forget. <laughs> like, what, what happened in playtesting that this card had to get power nerfed to the point where it's awful? It's so bad. Like unplayable in any context in every form. You don't even put this in your commander deck, which is what like No, why would you? It's, it's so, so bad. expensive. It's so expensive and bad. No. And uh, it's like totally useless and limited because you're never going to have a legendary creature and this and all the mana to tap it and want to do that. At sorcery speed. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. So that's a no pick list actually. Don't ever take that card. Yeah, actually put that on your never pick this ever list. It's so bad. Um, but also, like, Planeswalkers, duh. Just pick the Planeswalkers. Yeah. So uh, maybe I'll just go through mine first. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just saying what was, you know, the same. In yeah, the yeah. Our, both our lists start the same. So we both our lists start with the, all the man lands, which are the, um, the, the creature creatures lands. that act, or the lands yeah. that activate to become a creature. Maybe we should just call them creature lands. Maybe that makes more sense. Sure. Yeah. And then, uh, or person lands. Person lands. Should not be, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe the only ones that are man lands are the ones that make uh, a token that looks. I don't know. No, that doesn't even work. Yeah, no, Let's no. just do creatures. Let's <laughs> creature go with creature lands. lands. Yeah. 
and then all the planeswalkers. Uh, now I don't always have this. Like I was saying, I always have the rare lands. Um, I don't always have the planeswalkers, but I just particularly really like the ones in this set, and I think all of them kind of have a shot at seeing some play. Um, maybe like Eliwick is the least likely to to really see any constructed play, just because she centers around a, a limited mechanic. Mm -hmm. But um, all of them, I think, are, are pretty good, and I just like them and would like to have them. Um, so those are on my list. And then I have uh, Eben Death, which is the Black Dragon. Um, this is just the kind of card that I love, and it's powerful, so I just want it to have access. I know I'm going to brew something that has this card in it at some point. You know. Uh, then we got Flame Skull, which is the 3 one uh, the three one flying red creature that dies and you get it back essentially, or something else. I just think that's going to be a staple if red red aggressive decks are good in future standard. This thing's going to be a part of it, and you know maybe there's a good gruel deck or something that I'll play that wants this mm. mythic rare. Then there's Imrith Desert Doom. This is the control finisher that I talked about last week, or maybe the week before. No, last week I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I love it, so I'm going to build a blue-white control deck based on that at some point. Loyal Warhound is the 1-3 that gets you a planes. I just like this card. I'm definitely going to brew with this. Interesting. For sure. Um, I don't think this has to go in an aggro deck. I'm not playing mono-white aggro, but uh, I'll be playing something that involves that. Orcus, Prince of Undeath. I mean, I feel like you were saying earlier you don't tend to like Rakdos. Somehow I've become a Rakdos mage, I feel like. <laughs> Just the past, like, six months, I'm always trying to play Rakdos. And then in this limited format, Rakdos is my favorite, mm -hmm. too. I, like, I think Rakdos is starting to wrench my, you know, my servitude from the hands of Golgari. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah, Orcus, Prince of Undeath. Just a really cool, strong card, and it's going to go in. If Rakdos midrange is a thing, which I would love to play that'll be a part of it and then the last two are my just i know these are good cards that will be played in a top tier deck which is mono green so those are going to be ranger class and werewolf pack leader i know both these cards are going to see a lot of play yep absolutely um, and already are actually yeah exactly um and then for my list uh like i said before the the creature lands and the planeswalkers um i think for me the planeswalkers that i'm least excited are like the the blue and the the green one um, Mordenkainen. Oh, yeah, I would agree with uh, Mordenkainen's also. Yeah. Like I mentioned, Eliwick, and I agree that Mordenkainen's yeah. my least favorite as well. Um, I think I like Eliwick a little bit more because it already feels like the, the minus ability might fit into, like, the legendary green deck, the, sure, the yeah. that whole thing. but um, Even if you're not really about venturing. Yeah, yeah, so maybe venturing is just, like, an extra thing. Um, Ranger or you just activate her twice and just get creatures. Both yeah, yeah, exactly. And be, and, then, with that. and be, like, done. Um, Ranger class, uh, and I also, Werewolf Pack Leader was on my list until I got all of the copies. Same as, um, <laughs> was it Guardian of Faith? The, the white card oh, yeah. that, yeah. uh, I also have all the copies of that, uh, so I took them off the list. Gelatinous Cube, which is the, uh, the black card that, mm -hmm. um, goes really well with our, uh, uh, Skyclave Apparition. So I'm definitely going to play like a white-black deck that uses both of those cards and some other nasty <laughs> stuff, some Paolos and things. Uh, so that's going to be really Sounds fun. decent against Mono Green. So. Yeah, exactly. And so we'll see how I feel um, Triumphant Adventurer might fit into something like that. So I just kind of want to have those cards. Um, as well as Nadar, Selfless Paladin. I'm like, I just... See if you can work a, a dungeon sub-theme. Yeah, maybe I can have something like that. Um, 
we'll see how that works. And then Tasha's Hideous Laughter, which I talked about last week. Um, I mean, basically nice. all the Worthless Lock cards, of course, I'm going to put them uh, in there. But Tasha's Hideous Laughter is, is a, a great one. And then um, Forsworn Paladin. That's the, the one mana black mm-hmm. one one that uh, you can make treasures and uh, also give something Death Touch uh, and, uh, and a pump. But um, that one seems like it could be... I don't know if they'll do a lot in standard, uh, but it um, it could have a spot in like that mono black uh, deck, the mono black aggro deck in historic. And if oh, we yeah. could see some I other stuff, so I was like, hey, might as well get these. Th- those are uh, decks that I like. So um, I might. I know people are playing it in the red black like treasures deck, and I'm not sold on it there. I think they're just just feels a bit too slow for standard. Yeah. Um, I do like the, it can just sit back and make treasures for you. That's fun. Um, Mm -hmm. Whenever you need one to play a creature to give it plus one, plus one. (sighs) I did get my ass kicked by this thing in limited. Yeah. Like, man, it was hard to beat this. (laughs) But I I do like it, the idea of trying it in that mono black self-life loss aggro deck. Yeah, I just think like the, uh, doing that plus the menace would be really helpful in the deck, so. Yeah, it's a nice list. Yeah. Um, I have a good head start on my Manland collection. You know, I have Same. like two or three of each. I have all the bugbears. Nice. Yeah. It's always nice when you complete the first set, you know, and you're like, all right. You're like, boom, done. Um, I would like to say, so this is the first time I have done the spend all of your common and uncommon wild cards. Thing. Oh, you did it. I did it. Oh, that's cool. Um, I didn't have enough to get all the uncommons, but I have all the commons. And uh, so the idea behind this, if you haven't heard, is that if a new set comes out and you have a bunch of common and uncommon wild cards that you're not using for anything else, like hundreds of them, and you're like, what do I do with this? Just make craft play sets of every single common and uncommon card. And then you have them. And so when you're drafting, you're just building up vault progress and you just slowly but surely turn them into rare and mythic. Yeah, it's a way to convert, you know, useless common and uncommon wild cards into a small amount of rare and what mythic wild cards yeah um it takes time and it's not very efficient but at least it, they're doing something so but it's better than nothing right yeah like if you have your your 400 fun common wild card you know it's doing literally nothing for you so, mm-hmm. so um yeah it, i've been able to open the vault so or whatever the yeah the vault that's what it's called um which has been great so that's good uh, but I did want to quickly talk about, I know we're running a little bit long, but just the idea of collecting your collection. Collecting your collection? Sure. Um, and, That's uh, what you do. <laughs> just, Jeff, do you think it's possible to just have every card in the set so you can build every deck you ever wanted, um, all the rares and mythics, every single card, without spending tons and tons of money and buying tons and tons of packs? And yeah, I think it's possible. Um, if that, I don't know if that should necessarily be your goal. Like, you should just kind of like we're suggesting here, you should buy, you know, veer towards the cards that you actually want mm-hmm. um, rather than worry about collecting everything. But, you know, for those who haven't been with us the whole time, maybe didn't listen to the first couple episodes, we actually made an account brand new and spent zero dollars on it. That was kind of the idea is what can we do with a totally free to play account? And we just drafted. Uh, Zendikar, uh, Zendikar Rising. Rising? Is that what yeah, it was Zendikar called? Rising. <laughs> it gets hard once you start drinking but... beers. It's hard to remember stuff. So, and like you know, there's so many sets that have come out, and you're like, 
is it Zendikar School of Mages? Yeah. Is that it? Um, <laughs> uh, but we made a new account, and then just from drafting Zendikar and spending our gold wisely and stuff, we got, I would think, almost every card in Zendikar. Like, I think there's... All the we don't have play ones. sets of everything, but we have oh, like at okay. least two or three copies. And we have play sets of most rares. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're missing a couple of mythics. I remember the only, like, when I was trying to build decks, the only glaring thing we were missing was that we didn't have a playset of Kazandu Vanna. Mm. Yeah. But all of the, like, playable rares in Standard, we, we just had playsets of them. Mm-hmm. Just from drafting. mythic rares as well. And we had a good, healthy chunk of wild cards, too. So if I wanted to complete that collection, we could have. Yeah. So uh, basically, I it's a discussion that we have already had many times before. But just um, if you're collecting, it's it's awesome. Totally collect the cards you want, build the decks you'd like. But if you're going into a draft, and that's probably one of the best ways to, to get your collection, have an idea of the cards that you're looking for, which is why we make these mm-hmm. lists. Um, yeah. And don't tank a draft just because you're trying to collect all the... I don't know, the rares of whatever card you're never going to use. Um, but also just know, like, you might not have all a playset of every single card in the set, and that's fine. Like, if you want to collect it, that's awesome too. You will have to spend lots of money to do that. But to play the game, you don't have to do that. And that's, that's okay. Totally. Yeah, I mean, like, when I was saying you could get every card, we're talking, you're playing a lot. Yeah. Like, just all the time, basically. And when you don't get your gems back, you will have to put more in. So just... uh, Right, that's the hard part is... You you have to be very good too, I guess, to to just never have to buy more gems. Exactly. But like on Arena, it is possible to go... I don't know. People try to go infinite, whatever. I'm not trying to say go infinite, but it's much more feasible to have a a complete play set of every card in the set in Arena as opposed to in paper where it would cost a lot more than that and no one expects to have a whole play set in paper so i don't know why people expect to do it in arena <laughs> that's all i'm saying totally <laughs> like if i really wanted to play mono green you know while i'm drafting if i pick up all four ranger classes and all four werewolf pack leaders i just save myself eight wild cards for this deck boom now i only have to buy like kazandu mammoth and uh you know faceless haven i guess the other notable yeah. rares that like really make the deck tick um and you know i've probably picked up some rare wild cards from drafting and i could probably make this deck like yeah you know we made our tier one deck pretty quickly after making that account so yeah i mean just just things to think about those are those are some things to think about is all <clears throat> anyway jeff my beer is uh gone and i think yes. it's getting close to last call <laughs> okay do you have any last thoughts just to wrap this up? Because I'm going to keep asking you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do, actually. There's one thing I wanted to say that uh, I, I think I forgot to say. Okay. So I was talking about how good the two drops are in this set. Yes. And I want to make it clear that that doesn't mean you have to be aggressive. But it, because there are such good two drops at common, it means that aggressive decks are good. And so you have to draft with taking that into account. So an example I had of this is that Portable Hole and Shambling Ghast. So Portable Hole is the one-mana artifact that exiles a uh, creature CMC 2 or less, or sorry, mana, mana value. value 2 or less. 
and Shambling Ghast is the one one that when it dies, you either get a treasure or give something minus one, minus one. Both of those cards are much better than I expected them to be coming in because the two drops are such a big part of an aggressive deck's game plan that Portable Hole just lets you, like, turn three, Portable Hole, your two drop, play my own two drop, and suddenly you're way ahead. Or Shambling Ghast, like, they just, if you play that on turn one, it's just so annoying for anyone who's trying to attack. And so you don't have to be aggressive yourself, but you have to respect the fact that some of the best commons in the set are aggressive two drops. And so you have to you have to make sure you have a plan to answer an opponent that is planning on attacking you with a three one first striker on turn three. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think people are catching on to the shambling ghast, but the portable hole, it's just a sleeper. You can get those for sure. So, yeah, and they're they're actually surprisingly good. Mm -hmm. You know, they answer your opponent's shambling gas nice, pretty clean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's uh, let's uh, head to last call and get to the last beers of the night. Ready? Big reveal time. Let's see it. Three, two, one. Hey, hey, we both picked wizard soup. <laughs> Yeah, how could I not pick wizard soup? You know? <laughs> the salted or lime. Wasn't it dragon soup up. or something? Yeah. <laughs> dragon soup, wizard soup. Either way. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay, I saw you like going a little slow, so I was wondering how, what you felt about this one. <laughs> trying to savor the flavor. You know? Okay, all right, all right, all right. So, anyway. <laughs> I felt like I was about to say, like, let's get back on track, but like, we weren't anywhere. We're, we're yeah. here right now. We were exactly on track as we're supposed to be. Exactly. I'm just so used to us getting off track that like, I just thought we yeah. had to, to do that. It's just, a, um, it's just a line that's like built in now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, as always, each week we rate beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena, except for it's for beers. Tiers for beers. Look at that. And uh, this, these tiers don't have anything to do with uh, your physical rating or whatever you have. Um, this is just a fun way to rate beers, so don't get offended by how uh, intense we can be about them. <laughs> I guess that's right. That's I've been in any one, every one of these tiers at different points, exactly. many different times. Yes, so. we all have. Um, it's not just you, Jeff. We've all been in Mythic. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> No, I meant that I've I've spent more time in like bronze and silver. Of course, of course. Yeah, I know. I'm just being <laughs> I'm just being a dick about it. Okay. But um, yeah, also subtly pointing out that I've been to yeah, that I've also been to mythic. I see it. I see it. Let's add mythic twelve hundred so I can. Uh, oh right. Well, I have not been to mythic twelve hundred, so that's uh, just throwing me under the bus right there. Uh, anyway, so. Uh, this means that bronze beers are trash. They are not good. You don't want to finish them. You regret cracking them open in the first place. Yeah, it's like um, true polymorph, you know? You regret <laughs> taking it. <laughs> it's like descent into the dungeon or whatever that card's called. Yeah, exactly. It's just, don't take it. Don't take it at all. Yeah. Uh, next up is silver. These are generally macro brews or, you know, micro brews that basically have nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this then gold is uh, a fine beer. You're not going to drink it very often, but it was fine. Platinum is solid. You would drink this again. Diamond is exceptional, and you would recommend it to your friends or even Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Mythic. These are the best of the best. You would recommend these to just about anyone who will listen. Yes. But what's Mythic 1200, though? 
Mythic 1200 is just for you. You can sit there yeah, by okay. yourself and be happy you qualify. <laughs> With my 1199 true friends. Exactly. Yeah, you can you can be happy to uh, to qualify for the tournament that you're going to sleep through. Uh, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're ha- stop having so many beers the night before a big yeah, tournament. That's never going to happen. I <laughs> know that for a fact that's never going to happen. Uh, so talking about beers, let's start with the one that we didn't pick this time. So right. the scenic uh, root. Scenic root, yeah. So it's been a while since I've tasted this one, but uh, I don't know. I thought this one was it delivered what it said. It was like a IPA with tropical flavors, mm-hmm. and that was nice. Uh, but then I didn't think there was anything. It didn't have a ton of punch, you know. It didn't mm-hmm. really make me. It didn't wow me. Yeah, I liked the body, but the fact that that's the thing that I can think about really makes it feel like it wasn't awesome. It was like, oh, that was yeah. a nice body of a beer. The tropicalness was there, I guess. Um, and I like it yeah, over think, 6%. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, I think there's something to be, like, it's not a bad beer, but there's something to be said that this is a style that's so, like, well done. There are so many good, there are so many beers that are, you know, IPAs with fruity flavors and tropical fruits in particular. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of great examples of it. So anytime you drink something like this, you're just comparing it to such a large database of, of this kind of thing. And I felt like maybe it didn't totally stack up. But yeah. I think this was good that it was a small batch one for the month. And uh, they it was just a fun experiment. I'm glad that the, these uh, these workers at this brewery got to do that. And yeah. I'm happy that there's going to be a different one soon replacing that exactly one. yeah that's how i feel yeah and so uh i think for me this kind of lands in the gold category for like, sure absolutely it, i didn't dislike it uh but it's unlikely that i would pick this up again yeah i probably won't pick this up again but um the other one i have in the fridge i'm happy to drink and i, I yeah will, i will I i'm not gonna it. throw that out so. exactly yeah <laughs> gold but yeah for the uh, the winner of this evening the beer i brought <laughs> Uh, wizard soup. I mean, when you bring wizard soup, you can't expect not to win. <laughs> you know you're you're playing your ace at that point. Yeah. Uh, so this is the radical goza, the salted lime goza. Um, I will have to say, normally, uh, this is not a style of beer that I'm super interested in. I usually stay away from it. It's part of why I picked it as well. I've had, like, pretty bad experiences with salted gozas. And so when you... Uh, when you brought this one, I was a little dubious because every salted goza I've had before has been awful. Um, and Or maybe, like, not awful, but I didn't like it. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't for me. Yeah. So I think that is also part of why I picked this one is that I did like it. So that was showing me that the style can be different than what I had before. That is interesting because, like, I have never tried this. I didn't know salted goza was a style until you just said that right now. Um, and uh, so I was very... Surprised this is I, I have tasted this before, but I haven't, you know, thought about actually um rating it, so it, it does give it a little bit of I, I give it a little bit more thought this time is what I'm trying to say. But um mm-hmm. I actually am coming away like really liking this. Like, ooh, this feels like a you know, balcony camp beer. Like I I it's light, yeah. You crush these and they feel good, like real tasty. Yeah. Might have to pick up some wizard soup for our next camping trip. Oh, you know? for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get that. I think that's that's it. We might have to snatch that up because this. I think this might also be like a limited time thing as well. So, um, yeah. But yeah, 
I where does that put it for you then? I don't understand why radical is spelled this way. It's R A D I C L E. Is that like a joke or? I don't know. It reminds me of like icicle, but like yeah. not. I don't know. I don't know. That that part is confusing, and it knocked it down at least two grades. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, like we we had a, a mojito. <laughs> we had a mojito IPA. What did we have? <laughs> we had a mojito IPA. <laughs> oh man, we didn't even have a really high alcohol beers this week, and it still gets no, made every yeah. time. Um, and uh, so I was thinking this was going to be similar to that mojito one, uh, but it's, it's right. drastically different. This has much more of like the salted rim feel. Uh, with the lime you definitely get the salt for, for sure. sure and in a really good yeah. way too yeah that, um, that's what i was worried about is like the salty beer this sounds kind of weird but uh the salt is it is really nice in this yeah. it's actually funny so Catherine's stepdad my um my fiance's stepdad uh he is a big like lager fan and doesn't like ipas very much because i remember giving him some, oh he likes beer i'll give him some good beer and he's like what is these are weird i don't yeah. know and every Your time beer is expired i and every that time there's a, right. a beer that he doesn't like very much, he asks for some salt, and he puts salt in his beer because he he, hmm. he like mellows it or something. There's something to it that he's like it needs some salt, and he salts his beer, and that's just like a thing he does. And I've never really seen somebody do that. And it, he'll yeah. be like, "There we go, now it's better." I'm like, "Yeah, that is okay, cool." Um, <laughs> so, but his parents are like Dutch and stuff, so maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, that. Of course, this beer reminded me of that because it's like so salty. But I salted beer. Yeah, yeah. I I like it. I I I don't know where I am on it. I think for me, I have this like kind of the platinum diamond border. I also feel. I think I'm tempted to push it up into platinum I, just because I don't generally like this style or even this brewery that much. So wait, like, you mean diamond? I uh, yeah, what did I say? Platinum. Yeah. So oh, I meant yeah, push it up into diamond because like. You know, it just uh, surprised me, did the mm -hmm. unexpected, because I wasn't expecting to like it, so. Yeah, I definitely, it definitely tastes different than other beers I've had. I can't say, like with the, the scenic route, it's like, yeah, there's other ones that have done that. I think I'm really, I'm also on the fence about it, and I don't know if I want to push it up to diamond, but I think I will. I think, I think it's a, a diamond, like. Let's go for it. Let's yeah. go for it. Wizard Soup, yeah. diamond beer. This thing. Yeah. I love the picture. I do like Henderson, actually. I know they're not your favorite, but I, I pick them up often. And uh, mm -hmm. this is another one that's just like, boom. I would definitely recommend I thought, this. I thought about keeping yeah. them in platinum because of the, the radical fiasco, but uh, <laughs> diamond it is. But if I was at a store or something, I would definitely point at this to someone I was with and said, you should try this. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I, there we go. That, it, that, it's uniqueness enough. pushes it over. For I sure. Think. Absolutely. Okay. There we have it. Wow, some diamonds. That's real nice. We haven't had that in a while. I love it. Feels good. <laughs> but I think it's closing time. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe we should just sing that each week. It just like go, go yeah. str just straight into it. Um, I'll have to look up the lyrics because I'm pretty sure that's like the only part I know. <laughs> the title of the song? Okay, for sure. Uh, you can't stay here, you know, yeah. all that, but... Uh, 
yeah, they do change it around a little bit. There, it doesn't matter. Why didn't we talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> this anyway. is where you can say to get us back on track. Yeah, <laughs> let's get back on track uh, to the closing time, um, and then we just loop over and over again. And you sing closing time, and then I just keep doing. It. Uh, if you want to reach us uh, to tell us how stupid that was that we just did or what the lyrics of Closing Time was or anything, uh, you could reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, on MTG Arena, you can't tell us what the lyrics of Closing Time are, but you can show us your favorite emotes, stickers, and what have you. We are Arena Regulars Podcast. Yes, and if you want to talk to me personally and say, wow, that beer that you brought was so fantastic, I went and found some, you're amazing, Zach. I love you. You can find me <laughs> at Instagram, on Twitter, at Zulberg. That's Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. But Jeff, where can they find you? You can find me at Blues Brews MTG, spelled like it sounds. And please leave a review for uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes uh, about the show. If you could follow us on Spotify and Stitcher, anywhere that you are listening to this podcast right now, that helps a lot. Tell all your friends, your family, your mom, uh, your mom who's not part of your family. Um, we we'd really love that. Just, uh, just you know, spread the word if you like us. It's nice. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that if you're drafting D&D, draft red. But don't draft red blue. Good night. All right, that's fine.